Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. May I have a seat? Well, again, welcome. We're glad you're here. It's fun to be uh, back here with you again. My name is Nathan. Um, I'm one of the pastors here. I, I serve primarily at our Olathe campus, um, but I've recently stepped into a role kind of get, getting to work across, across campuses. And, and particularly, like, if you were here last week and you're like, okay, Andrew's on sabbatical. Uh, last week, Tom left for sabbatical, right? You probably think, like, like what's happening, right? When, when do you get a sabbatical, right? Or maybe you should say, you know, not come to church for, for 12 weeks or something. That, that's not the case, hopefully. Andrew will be back shortly, I promise. Uh, you're stuck with me today. Uh, Reed, some of you remember Reed, right? Reed used to, to serve here. He's now at our Olathe campus as the campus pastor. He's going to be out here. Um, and Andrew will be back June 4th, okay? That's his first day back. He's coming, um, so hold on. Uh, we haven't forgotten about you, but we'll, we'll do that. And let me, let me even just say, uh, thank you so much for being a church that, that allows us pastors to go on sabbatical. Um, I know that that's painful. It requires a lot of patience from the congregation, but it is, it is so good. It's so healthy. Um, really, for, for two things in particular. One, um, you as a congregation are better for it. Uh, because we as a church, we don't want to depend on any one leader, right? We don't want to be built on, on one personality. We want to be a, a church that's built on Jesus, right? Uh, and so to force us into this, these other you know, places of, of leadership, and it, that's, it's, just, it's just really, really healthy for us. And then second, I mean, we, we love Tom and Andrew, right? And we want them to come back energized and healthy for, for a long time, right? Um, we don't see sabbatical simply as a reward or a gift for them, um, but as something that is an investment in their lives so they can continue to pastor here and pastor well, right? We want that, don't we? Okay, but June 4th, it's not that long, so um, you'll be fine. Um, let, me, let, me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, God, I'm so grateful for this church, God, for this place. God, I'm thankful for, for Tom and Andrew um, getting rest. I pray for them and their families. God, give them joy. God, fill them up with your presence and bring them back safe and whole. God, we are so grateful for them. And God, we're also grateful that uh, your word is not bound to any one voice or speaker. Um, God, that you speak uh, through these ancient pages, and you use any of us, all of us, as your people. And so, God, I pray that you would take these, these words and that you'd root them deep into our heart. I pray that you'd convict us of sin, but please don't leave us there. Um, show us how Jesus is the solution, the hope, the joy, the redemption that we long for. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are in the midst of a, of a different kind of, of series for us. Uh, we're taking these several weeks to, to look at the, the vices and the virtues, right? We're, we're centered on these, these seven deadly sins and their, their corresponding virtues. 
And so, for example, you know, last, last week we were on the, the, the vice of vainglory, right? That was super fun. Um, next week, actually, I'm not even going to tell you next week because we want you to come back uh, uh, to church next It's greed, actually. Sorry. I, but come back anyway. That's, that's going to hurt. We know that. Uh, and and today, today is the deadly sin of sloth. Deadly? Really? I mean, you, kinda, you can't even hardly say it with a straight face. It's like, sloth is going to kill me? But remember, we, we've said this throughout the series, right? These aren't the, the worst things that you can do. They are the habits that form us, right? The subtle things that creep into our lives that can blind us, bind us, and, and betray us, right? That you and I, we are always being formed. None of us are neutral. None of us are static. We're always becoming someone. And you can be formed by vice, or by virtue, by sloth, or by diligence. Sloth. I mean, it just sounds lazy, doesn't it? And it's so, it's so fun to say. Say it with me, would you please? Sloth. Oh, now, now we just need a nap, right? You just get sleepy just even thinking about it. Uh, fun fact, I don't know if you know this, but sloth is the only vice with an animal named after it. It's kind of fun. He's kind of an adorable little sinner, isn't he? Yeah? I mean, it's hard to take this vice seriously if it looks like that, right? You just kind of want to cuddle that guy. Oh, man. In fact, I, I was talking to my daughter. She's eight. Um, and just mentioned, you know, sloth is the next vice and, and et cetera, et cetera. And you know, she has better theology than this. So she was making a joke. She has better theology than this. But she did say to me, Dad, like very coyly, Dad, does that mean sloths go to hell? <laughs> yes, actually it does. Um, Sad, sad to say, that cute little guy. Uh, no, of course not. Um, that's not. That's not what it means. But, but that's kind of what we think of. Or, or maybe you're picturing uh, the particular sloth that works at the DMV. Let's, uh, let's take a look at him. Wait. They're all sloths? Are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, hmm. too. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing fine. Well, what? Hang in there. Can I do? Well, I was hoping you could run a play. For you. Well, I was hoping you Today. could. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! Sure. Okay. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. Pregnant. Priscilla. Oh, no! Yes? Flash? What do no. you call a three-humped camel? Uh, pregnant! Okay, great, we got it! Please jump. Oh. I mean, that's kind of what we think of, isn't it? I mean, maybe you, don't, maybe you don't picture the movie, maybe you don't picture the animal, but like that behavior, that's what you think of a sloth, right? Slow, lethargic, lazy, passive. 
right? That's what comes into our minds. And then very quickly, like I move from that image to, well, that's not me. I don't have a problem with that. Are you kidding me? Like I have never not been in a hurry. Like never once a day in my life. Like the number one command, like I'm, I'm not proud of this. The number one command I give to my kids, like if you were to count them, like a little tally, be hurry up. That's what it'd be. I'm always rushed. I'm always exhausted. I'm always busy. And so we come to Sloth. It's like, oh, thank God. Finally, finally one we don't have to like really feel, right? We can just kind of sit back and relax as Nathan yells at all the lazy people. Um, <laughs> feels good, doesn't it? Well, I've got some bad news. Because uh, I, I thought that too until I started to actually read up on the vice of sloth. Probably should have done that before I took my little victory lap, right? Because sloth, oh man, sloth is not just a lack of productivity or ambition or hard work. I mean, it's not just about how busy you are or exhausted. Listen, sloth is not just laziness. It's laziness with what matters most. It's not just laziness. It's laziness with what matters most. It's not just inactivity. It's the the misordering of our endless activities. In fact, we're going to see three things from God's word this morning. And it's going to sting a little bit. It hurts me, truthfully. Three things here. First... The sloth hides best in busyness. Second, sloth is too lazy to change. And third, sloth is too lazy to love. Mm, fun, right? Well, if you have a Bible uh, with you, turn to Luke chapter 10. We'll have it on the screen as well, but if you have it, let's look together. Because you see it in, in this, this story that sloth hides best in busyness. Because when you read this story, like you and I, like if you were listening to it read, it's like, I mean, let's be honest, Martha's kind of our hero in this story. And we really, we want to say, Mary, would you get off your butt and get to work, don't we? I mean, we celebrate what Martha's doing. She's out there getting things done, right? This is, we're so proud of her, aren't we? But how does Jesus see it? Look again at verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Right, sounds so sinister, doesn't it? With much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Oh, hon, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Let's, let's stop there for a second. Do you, do you see what's going on here? I mean, she's not lazy, not in the classical sense, right? She's full of activity, you know, distracted with much serving, anxious and troubled, which is how I live 99.9% of my life. And I'm guessing many of us would say the same. We're always busy. And Jesus rebukes her for it. Because friends, sloth is found not just in the couch potato, but also in those who are endlessly working at the wrong things. You can be tired, exhausted, working your heart out, but if it's the wrong thing, who really cares, right? I mean, think about like climbing a ladder. It takes some effort, right? You're going up the ladder, rung after rung after rung. Maybe you're even getting a little sweaty, right? But then at the top, you're like, well, wait a second, this is the wrong house, right? 
Like, these are my neighbor's gutters. Like, it doesn't matter at that moment how much work you're doing. Or, or maybe more likely for many of us, not just the wrong things, it's just lesser things. I mean, that's probably where I sp- spin my wheels the most, right? Like, for example, you know, it's when you clear your email inbox instead of starting the really big project that's due tomorrow, right? Or, or taking your kids to endless activities instead of doing the really important work of having dinner together. Or jumping right into your to-do list because it's so long, you know, first thing in the morning, you are ready to attack it without stopping to, to pray and ask God to be a part of it, to lead you, to guide you. We're skipping church because this Sunday is just too busy, right? We've got other things to do. Sloth is doing what's easy instead of what's necessary or best. It's doing what's easy instead of what's necessary or best. That's so easy to do, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of our default. We just kind of slide into sloth, don't we? And I can hide my sloth behind a fury of activity pretty good at it, actually. Rebecca DeYoung, for example, listen to what she says. She writes, busyness and workaholism are not virtuous, but rather sloth's classic symptoms. In fact, sloth cannot be defined as laziness, and slothful people often pour great physical effort and emotional energy into the difficult task of distracting themselves from the unhappiness of their real condition. Slothful people can be very busy. You listen to what she said there. If you're paying attention, like she's, she's saying that, that we're not just busy because of all the demands put upon us, right? We love to blame those things. Well, my boss is this way and my company's this way and my kids are all these. You know, it's not just because of the demands put upon you, nor, nor is it just because we're such, you know, salt of the earth, you know, hardworking folk, right? Did you catch what she said? She said we're busy because we're so unhappy, We're trying to distract ourselves from how miserable we are. I mean, not cool, Rebecca, right? What's wrong with this lady? She's right, isn't she? I mean, I see it in me. If I'm busy, I can feel successful. I feel safe, strong. If If my kids are rushed from activity to activity, I feel like, well, maybe I'm doing something right as a parent. If I finish my to-do list, then I guess everything's going to be okay, right? It gives me a sense of, of control, power, and even of meaning. And if I'm honest, I actually prefer the distraction of, of busyness over the hard work of loving and being loved. I'd rather be distracted. Busy. In fact, the Apostle Paul in his second letter to the Thessalonians, he writes, he rebukes some of the early church for doing just this. He says, for we hear that some among you walk in sloth, idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. So here's the first step in the fight against sloth. And nobody saw this coming. I didn't see it coming when I started studying this, but I'm convinced it is where many of us in this room need to begin. If you want to kill sloth, you have to slow down. You have to slow down. Now, of course, some of us actually need to speed up and get to work, okay? And some of us are just classically lazy. Uh, and, and we'll get there in a moment. Don't, don't worry. Um, but many of us, right, in our culture, the way that we live, we, we have to slow down first. 
to be able to even understand how to prioritize and better choose what are those things that are most important. If you're living at breakneck speed, like I often am, ask yourself first, two questions. Ask yourself first, like, what do you get out of it? Like, what are the motivations, the things that, you know, it's, what are, like, do you feel more successful? Do you get a little more chance at money? Is it that your kids are keeping up with their kids? Or, like, what are the, what are the not great motives behind some of our busyness? So ask yourself that first. And second, ask yourself, what's one thing this week, one lesser thing that I need to stop doing? That I, I need to carve out a little bit of margin in my life. It's just not worth it. And I can tell you, I get so afraid looking at my kids, they're 10 and 8, looking at them and looking at what's just normal in Johnson County, right? What's just accepted practice is what we all sort of tend to do. Our kids have every opportunity and they're busy all the time. But are we just raising a generation of super busy sloths? And kids, if you hear that, I, that is not, that's not on you, okay? Let me just be clear. Like, we've done that to you. Like, we've given you those, those schedules, and we've, we've raised the bar of pressure of what it looks like to be a normal adolescent. And if you're feeling overwhelmed by that, I'm sorry. That's on us. It's okay to be busy. Are we teaching our kids to be busy with what matters most? Slow down, Martha. Now, of course, you can't stop there, right? It's not just slow down and do nothing or, or slow down and do less. No, it's slow down and give yourself to the right things, right? You see, when the, when the early church fathers, when they talk about sloth, and I mean, think about this. There's like almost 1,500 years of, of tradition about these seven deadly sins. So tons have been writing, written on and the way that different cultures see the, the different vices differently and all, and all of that. But when the early church fathers talk about sloth, here's what they mean and why it's so dangerous. Why it's deadly. Ultimately, it's that sloth is just too lazy to change. I mean, we hide it in busyness, but at its root, it's like, I just don't want to, I don't, changing is hard work, right? Loving God is, doesn't always come naturally, right? Sloth isn't just general laziness. It's a lazy soul. It's a person who doesn't really want to grow, or at least, I mean, maybe you want to grow or change. I think we all do, but you don't want to do the hard work that it requires, Right? Sloth looks at God's transforming love. I mean, God is on your side with this, right? He wants to make you whole. He wants to, to bear this fruit, these virtues in your life and in your mind. But sloth looks at that, sees it all and says, nah, that's just too much work. It's easier to be Martha, isn't it? Meanwhile, like here's Mary doing what's necessary. Look, at, look how it continues. Verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. One. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. People, there's plenty to do, right? There's a whole lot we can give our lives to. Spinning our wheels and going nowhere. One thing is necessary. For Mary, choosing the good portion, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And again, DeYoung, she's so good here. Let me, let me read a little bit more of what she says. The slothful 
feel that it is an intolerable burden to stay true to one's commitment to God with all its daily drudgery and discipline. Likewise, sloth is the vice of those who want the security of having God's love. You know, it feels warm. You you sleep better at night. Who want that without the real sacrifice and ongoing struggle to be made anew. And in this, she goes on and she gives the example of marriage. Because you can be married. Like, it's, I mean, you can say the vows, right? Even have a house together and raise kids together. And, I mean, you can be married. It's not, I guess, that hard, right? But it's the hard work of actually being married that's, that's so brutal, isn't it? That, that's absolutely so necessary. So you can, you can be married without doing the hard work of, of pursuing each other, or sacrificing for one another, spending time together, of learning what it means to, to love and be loved. And any relationship takes work. Like, and if you refuse to do that work, it's not going to work. And not only is the relationship in jeopardy when we do that, we lose out on the joy of what the relationship is meant to be, right? Like there's, there's something in the work that's so satisfying, even though it's painful. And when we feel too lazy to pursue that work, we just kind of want to give up, don't we? Or distract ourselves with something else. I mean, Jesus, just forget it. Never mind. Don't give in. That's the second little application here. Don't don't give in. When, When sloth rises up and following Jesus just feels too hard, don't give in. Like Mary, sit at his feet. Even when you don't want to, you don't even feel like it. Discipline yourself. I mean, think about this. Like many of us in this room, we are so disciplined. Like the, the, you work so hard. You, you work out constantly. Like you haven't missed a workout in how many, how many days, right? And working out is good. Working hard is good. But like, are we running after Jesus? Like, are, are we disciplined there as well? And this, I mean, friends, again, this is why it's deadly. I mean, sloth is so ugly because sloth, like as soon as it sets in, like the only thing that can cure it is like pursuing Christ. It's the only solution. And yet as soon as it sets in, the last thing you want to do is pursue Christ. And so it it starts there and then, I'm not going to do that. And it goes further. It just spirals lower and lower and lower and lower. I mean, the only antidote antidote is, is pursuing Christ through diligence, perseverance, hard work, which is the hardest thing in the world to do when you're feeling slothful. You see, our souls are bent towards laziness, aren't they? For example, you can say you want to change, right? We all do. Man, I want to get better. I want to be better for my family, for those around me. You can say that, but like, what are you doing about it? I mean, you can say all you want. Like, I, I, want to, I, want, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to yell at my kids. Like, I don't want to deal with lust. I want to, I want to be free from greed and you, you feel it or any of these vices that we're talking about. You can say it all you want, but it's not just going to happen. That's why Peter said back in week one, right? He said, practice these things. Only practice makes virtue. Discipline over and over and over again. Not to earn God's grace. You can't earn it, right? But because of his grace, because of what he's done for us. In fact, the early church fathers, they, they talk about the best way to fight sloth. Like they, it's through the discipline of staying put is kind of how they phrase it. Like if just, like keep your head down. Like do, it, do what you know you should be doing from way back when, no matter how much you hate it or don't feel like it, like just like, just do it, stay put. Diligence. 
And so, for example, it's, it's when you don't feel like reading your Bible. I'm sure it's never happened to anybody, right? Um, it's just, you just pick it up and it's like, man, what's happening? And you just get so discouraged. And so when you feel that way, um, but to resist sloth, you say, well, I'm, that means I'm going I'm to read it even more. Or, or when, when, you, when you pray and it's like, man, it's just bouncing off the ceiling. And prayer is so weird. And is anything actually happening? But to, to resist sloth, it means you're going you're gonna to pray harder and longer. It's, it's when, you know, church has just gotten boring lately. Which, by the way, that's personal, okay? Um, it's mean. Um, but I'm not naive. It happens, Okay. But when that happens, instead of drifting away, you, you'd step in further, closer. The only way to attack sloth through Christ's power is with the rut of faithfulness. Doing what you know you should be doing, no matter how much you don't want to do it. No matter how much you hate it in the moment, no matter how painful it is even when it's drudgery, the very thing sloth resists is the very thing sloth needs most to overcome it. So there's something you're going to stop doing. Okay, we talked about that. We're not just adding things to your to-do list here. One thing you're going to stop doing. But what's, what's one thing you're going to commit to doing? To pursue this, this growth, this change, this what practice are you going to grab onto no matter how much you don't feel like it? I mean, for some of you, maybe it's just saying, you know what, these next two months, I'm going to go to church every Sunday. I'm just going to do it, right? No matter, no matter how busy or lazy I feel. For, for others of you saying, you know what, I'm going I'm to get up every morning this week and don't stop there, please, right? Every morning this week and next week and the week after and the week after that and, and 500 days down the road still getting up to maybe just 10 minutes to start your day in dependence on God, reminding yourself that you're, you're finite and fragile and you need his help, praying to him. Others of you, maybe it's joining in the open here, our Bible reading plan. I'm just reading your Bible on a, on a daily basis. I mean, there's all kinds of options here. Pick one and practice it over and over and over again. I mean, we're busy with so many things, so many things. Only one thing is necessary. God wants to make you whole. He, he wants to transform you into the person he created you to be. You want that? I want that. So don't give in to sloth. There's one more thing. Because you can't, you can't stop there, right? Yes, sloth often hides in busyness. And yes, it's ultimately about a laziness of soul, but it never stops there. Third, sloth is too lazy to love. It eventually goes out into all of our relationships, doesn't it? Sloth refuses to do what love requires. Sloth looks at the demands of love and just says, no, I'm not going to do it. I mean, this is why sloth can destroy families and workplaces, communities. It's not just laziness. It's lazy to love. And Jesus, I mean, he's not telling Martha, like, quit your job and just go to Bible studies all day long, Right? I mean, of course not. That's not, that's not what happened. We, we know that God loves us. He pours his love into it. He changes us so that that love can, can pour out into others in every place that we, that we go, wherever God, where God has called us. And when we don't, sloth impacts everyone around you. In fact, there's a great picture of this at the end of, of Proverbs, of a, a woman doing the hard work of, of love. 
It's in Proverbs 31. It might be familiar to some of you. But, but it starts off an excellent wife or a virtuous woman, right? You can translate it that way. A virtuous woman, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. And then it, then it goes on. It doesn't, like, you'd almost think at that point, well, it's going to describe her, you know, she's just, she's a great quiet time and she's, you know, she's so good about loving people. And all that is, is important, right? But it goes on and praises her for her hard work. Like for 20 verses, for her ingenuity and creativity in the way that she approaches work. And I mean, she buys and sells. Like she spends her time as a, as a day trader, right? She, she buys investment property and plants a vineyard on it. She makes garments for herself and for, for those in her family and beyond. She gets up before the sun and is still working after it's dark. And she, she does it, the, the proverb writer tells us, like not just to care for her family, although she does. It's also to care for her servants, but it doesn't stop there. It's also to care for the, the poor in their community. I mean, she contributes to the economic flourishing of her, of her entire village, right? Through her hard work. And so the proverb writer says, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of sloth, of idleness. And she's praised by everyone around her, not just for her hard work, it's because it's, her love is expressed through her hard work. The way she loves her family and all beyond in her community. And friends, friends, when we choose sloth, I mean, we don't choose sloth, we drift towards sloth, right? We choose to do nothing about sloth, but we drift there inherently, each one of us. And when we do it, it feels innocent. Like, it's just not that big of a deal. But if you're becoming a slothful person, you are robbing the people around you. Probably even the people sitting next to you. When, when you watch too much TV, and I love me some TV, okay? But you, you watch too much of it, you get sucked into too many video games. You can't get off the couch or out of bed. When you show up late for work, or you're or you there, you know, whatever it is you do, but your performance is average at best, mediocre. You're just coasting in the office or or getting by till the weekend, or getting by till retirement, or maybe you are retired, but you're just using your time to sit on your hands and do nothing. Friends, when we do this, it's not just lazy, it's a failure of love in your life and mine. Your family needs you. Your coworkers need you. Your classmates need you. The people on your team and in your in your neighborhood, your community, our church, the places that you, you volunteer and give back of your time, we, we need you. And sloth sees all that, the opportunities for love, and says, no, I don't think so. Just too much work. Or more, probably more likely for many of us, I'm too busy to do those things, right? Busy doing other things, lesser things. So here, here's the last thing. As we move from sloth to diligence, yes, yes, some of us need to slow down and, and, and certainly don't give up growing your soul. It begins there, but you know what else? Get to work, right? People, we were created for work. Adam and Eve worked in the garden even before it all fell apart, right? Before sin, we will work together in the new creation. And believe me, there is work to be done today, isn't there? Everywhere there's work. Everywhere there's opportunities to love the, the people around us. And yes, find places to, to serve your community, to volunteer, to serve at your church. Yes, please, volunteering is good. 
And yet for most of us, I mean, the primary work God has for us is the place that he's put you. It's the work you do day in and day out, over and over again, right? Whether you get paid for or not, whether you like your job or not. The greatest opportunity you and I have to love our neighbor, the greatest opportunity you have, it's not, it's not here. This is an important place. I'm not minimizing it, but it's not, it's not here. It's not at a soup kitchen or a place that you can volunteer for the underprivileged. And I'm not minimizing either of those things, like do those things. But your greatest opportunity to love your neighbor is wherever you show up tomorrow when work starts, right? Or later on today, if you go into the, like it's those places, those are the chances that we have day in and day out to give our lives, to spend ourselves on behalf of those around us. It's bringing your A game to work, serving your clients and coworkers, innovating, building stuff that lasts, it's when you're changing diapers and you do it because you know God is ultimately your supervisor, nobody else, I mean, nobody sees but him. Or if you're retired, it's, it's the way you pour into your, your grandkids. It's the opportunities that you find to, to mentor those coming, coming behind you and, and caring for them and serving those around us, practicing diligence. And that's what it is, isn't it? Practice, 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 practice. And then maybe, maybe, not tomorrow. Okay, it's going to take longer than that. Maybe not even next week or next month, but if we practice these things over and over again, then we'll actually begin to see our work not simply as a collection of tasks to check off the list, but as an opportunity to love. All of it, everywhere, everything that we do, all the time. Imagine if we, God's people, his church, work like that. Imagine if that was the reputation we had in our neighborhoods and schools and our communities and our workplaces. Sloth is not just laziness. It's laziness with what matters most. Don't just live busy, spinning our wheels and going nowhere. Get busy growing, changing, transformed by God's love, and then put that love to work in the lives of everyone around you. Pour yourself out. This is your chance. Like, your one opportunity to love the people around you. Do something with it. You know, one of the most meaningful books I've read in a long time, it's uh, by Indy Wilson. It's called Death by Living. It's not something I would normally read. Somebody recommended it, but man, I just, I can't shake it. Because I, I can tell you, I've spent most of my life thinking that one day it's going to get easier. You know what I'm talking about? All right, so you're in school, like, well, college will be easier than that. And then you get to college, like, well, once I get started in my job, and then it's like, well, I got to get farther in my job. And then, then you, you're in a relationship, and then you get, well, marriage will make it easier, right? Uh, and then, like, kids, and well, when the kids get older, it'll be easier. I, I mean, a lot older. I mean, actually, when they leave the house, right? And then you go back to the work thing, and it's like, well, when I, when I you know, I get up here in my career, you know, when I retire, and we go on and on, right? Are you with me? Like, you've been there, right? One day, like, can you see it over there? <laughs> like, one day, it's supposed to get easier, Right? right? I mean, you know what that is, right? Let's just call it, call it by its name. It's sloth. And then I read this stupid book. <laughs> let, me, let me read part, part of it to you here. I hope this quote haunts you like it's haunted me. <laughs> he says, the truth is that a life well-lived is always lived on a rising scale of difficulty. It's meant to get harder. 
best life, the virtuous life, actually gets more difficult? Because the stakes get higher. Maybe your responsibilities change, but like if you break it, like more things, there's like the further along you get, the more, the more opportunity you have both for, for joy in people's lives and destruction. The virtuous life only gets harder. And to make it worse, then he continues. He says, death is now, not later. It's now, today, this moment for each of us. Death is now. The choice is here. Lay your life down. Your heartbeats cannot be hoarded. Your reservoir of breath is draining away. You have hands. Blister them while you can. You have bones. Make them strain. They can carry nothing in the grave. You have lungs. Let them spill with laughter. In my remaining hours, I could be smiling or scowling, rejoicing in my life in this race, in this story, or moaning and complaining about my troubles. I can be giving my fingers, my back, my mind, my words, my breaths to my wife and my children and my neighbors. Or I can grasp after the vapor and the vanity for myself, dragging my feet, afraid to die, and therefore afraid to, to live. And like Adam, I will still die in the end. Friends, life is meant to be spent. You can't hoard it. can't save it up. We're all spending it, right? Minute by minute, hour by hour. And this is what Jesus has done for us, isn't it? I mean, he never, he never asked us to do something he was unwilling to do himself. He spent everything on our behalf. That our God actually came into this world, took on these broken bodies, entered this, this sinful reality, and he took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our death upon himself so that we, we could live the life that he longs for. I mean, this is the work that he has been doing from the very beginning. This is the work that he, he longs to do in me and in you. He longs to change us with his, with his love. He works constantly on our behalf and he died for lazy people. But he didn't stay dead. He, died, he rose again to, to turn our sloth into love, to bring dignity and joy to our work, meaning into our lives, forgiveness when we fail and hope that we can actually make progress, that we can actually spend our lives on things that matter most. This is the work he does. And it's the work that he invites us into. Will we join him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, God, would you convict us? Convict me. God, I pray the way that we, we would see the way we hide our, our laziness, the way I do it. And God, I, I pray that we be motivated, not out of guilt or not out of a sense of, or even just, just a, I don't know, an empty inspiration or whatever. God, I pray that you would grab us by the truth of the gospel, that we would see that this is what Jesus has done for us, for me, and that that would compel us, motivate us, push us, into a life of service, ultimately for you, but also for those around us. We need your help, we pray in Christ's name.